Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Awesome Holiday Etiquette from APM, American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And our great-great-grandmother always said that you should treat everyone with consideration, respect, and honesty. In all situations, it's the mark of good etiquette. And she would know. She was Emily Post, the icon of etiquette herself. And at maybe no other time of year is consideration, respect, and honesty more tested than during the holiday season. During this time, we travel more. We socialize more. We give more, we entertain more, and we eat more. And each of those things is an opportunity to spread cheer. And stress. So, we're going to talk this hour about how to handle your holidays with good etiquette. We'll talk about food with Chef John Besh. We'll talk travel etiquette with blogger Kate McCulley. And we'll talk tradition with singer Judith Hill. Plus, we'll talk about hosting, toasting, and more with the Post family. Coming up on Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. From APM American Public Media, this is Awesome Holiday Etiquette. I'm Lizzie Post, and I'm here with my cousin, Dan Post-Senning, from the Emily Post Institute. Okay, Dano, picture this. All right, hit me. Tonight, you're hosting your annual holiday party for your family. And as you're putting away the groceries, you notice something hiding in the back of the cupboard. It's a dish. But it's not just any dish. This is like the ugliest dish you own. It clashes with everything else, and it's absolutely not your taste, which is probably why it's in the back of the cupboard where you put the cranberry sauce. My mother-in-law gave me that dish. Yep, and she's on her way over. And there are a bunch of other things that she's given you in years past that you've got stashed in other cupboards and drawers around the house. So all of a sudden, I'm faced with kind of a difficult situation. Do I run around and grab these things and put them on display really quickly? Or do I keep them closed up and offer some kind of explanation? Do I just not say anything about it? Hope she doesn't notice or care. You got a real problem, bud. (laughs) You're not kidding. That situation came to us from one of our listeners. And we're going to talk later in the show about how to handle it with consideration, respect, and honesty. Those are the core principles of etiquette. They were established by our great-great-grandmother, Emily Post, when she literally wrote the book on etiquette. And now, five generations of Post later, we're continuing her tradition. As part of the Emily Post Institute, we answer questions every week on our podcast, Awesome Etiquette. And we get so many questions from listeners during the holidays that we decided to make a show dedicated to what makes this season so special. And sometimes stressful. 
and we've invited lots of guests to help. That's right. Guests like New Orleans chef John Besh. And travel blogger Kate McCulley. Singer Judith Hill will stop by. And we'll get some holiday stories from some of our friends. And we'll meet more of the Post family throughout the hour as we talk about how to thrive during the holiday season with consideration, respect, and honesty. Welcome to Awesome Holiday Etiquette. If you were to come to our house during the holidays, you would see a warm fire in the fireplace, a kitchen filled with food, and a bar ready for serving drinks. And the person who keeps all that organized every year is my mom, Trisha Post. Trisha works with us at the Emily Post Institute, and she is a master of holiday organizing. Mom, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Lizzie. I'm happy to be here. Mom, you always make our holiday parties so smooth and welcoming, and everybody knows exactly what's going on. How do you keep everyone organized? Uh, It means starting well ahead of time, probably a couple of weeks. Uh, You want to be thinking about what it is at your meal that you'd like your guests to fill in. For example, at Thanksgiving, we obviously do the turkey and the gravy. And our guests, we might be comfortable asking them to bring side dishes and desserts, maybe an hors d'oeuvre. Our rule at Thanksgiving is that if a particular dish means Thanksgiving to you, like your grandmother's the sweet potatoes with the marshmallow topping, then that's what you get to bring. So you're <laughs> sure to have it for your Thanksgiving. And we also try to make sure that those who are traveling a long distance aren't you know, stuck with something complicated. So maybe like the beverages or a crudite platter you could pick up at a local grocery store, something like that? Absolutely. So, Tricia, I remember a particular year where there were a series of tasks that you asked people to help out with. And I was, I was trying to remember the process, how it was that you identified things that needed to be done and, and asked people to help out. It's sort of that situation. Picture yourself in the kitchen and you're sort of in mid-turkey based and this really helpful guest comes up and says, What may I do? And even though there are a million little things left to be done before dinner's on the table, your mind goes completely blank and usually say, oh, nothing, thank you, just, you know, go enjoy the company, and and then you're still left with a million things to do. And um, one year, my sister and I said, let's get ahead of this, and we made a list of all these sort of little tasks that a guest wouldn't mind being asked to do, from tending bar, passing hors d'oeuvres. There's lots of ways that kids can be helpful, too. I always like to include kids because it sort of gets them started on what it's like to be at a party, to help out at a party, to be hosts if they're your own children. They could take guests' coats and hats to a designated area. That's what we always had to do as little kids. Anna and I would would bring the coats to the bedroom and put them on the bed. (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, putting ice in the water glasses. And then it feels like everyone's participating. It's nice to have a job or responsibility. Exactly. Right. The other thing I like to do is have a seating plan. For guests, it's easier to know where they're going to sit than coming up right at the point where you're transitioning from finishing up all the prep work to serving dinner, where would you like me to sit? And it gives a chance, like for a grandparent, to sit with a grandchild that they really don't get to see very often, or cousins that are really kind of good friends but live far apart, because the whole point is to keep, you know, have a lively conversation going. Mom, thank you so much for helping with our holiday organizing questions. Oh, Dan and Lizzie, you're welcome, and I'm delighted to do it. 
Trisha Post is our editor-in-chief at the Emily Post Institute, but not only that, she is our walking encyclopedia of all things etiquette. So Lizzie, one problem that we hear a lot about during the holidays is accommodating people's food traditions. That's so true. But it can also be an opportunity to learn something new about other people, other traditions, and other cultures. We're based here in Vermont and have deep connections to New England holiday traditions. So we thought we'd expand our holiday horizons by heading down below the Mason-Dixon. Chef John Besh hails from southern Louisiana, and you see it all through his cooking. His cuisine is deeply influenced by where he grew up, and it's taken him a lot of places. He is a James Beard Award winner and the host of two national public television cooking shows. His new cookbook, Besh Big Easy, takes a closer look at the cuisine of his hometown of New Orleans, John Besh, welcome to Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I would love for our listeners to try something new, try something from my favorite city in the whole wide world. So do you have any dishes that you might suggest that they put on their holiday table this year? Of course. Where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm thinking there are a couple little go-to dishes that I absolutely love. Uh, One of them is called Crab Me Ravigote. Ravigote comes from the French term for refresh. And so you have this picked crab meat tossed with just a light vinaigrette, just a hint of mayonnaise and a little dash of um, Tabasco sauce. And I'll take some ciabatta bread and have that grilled or griddled so that it's slightly toasted and then just spoon that crab meat salad over the bread is just like the most luxurious appetizer that you can imagine. And so another one is a shrimp remoulade, whether it finds itself on that same family table before uh, Thanksgiving or whether it's Christmas or New Year's, it's just, it's never out of vogue. It's just, it's always (laughs) wonderful. Just those two dishes alone are kind of like two of my go-to dishes. And there's luxury just in the simplicity of, of these foods that I'm talking about. And so when I think of the high Holidays. I think of that tradition, and these are traditions in my family, and I, I don't have a holiday table without incorporating you know, the shrimp and the crab into it somehow. What I love, too, is that they seem like very simple dishes. It's the fact that I can make this a day, two days, three days in advance, and it's just fine. You pull it out of the fridge, and it's ready to go. And there's something about the elegance of simplicity. I crave having foods that kind of warm my heart because they bring back memories of my childhood. And it's funny, as my children grow up, um, I've got one that's at the uh, University of Notre Dame. And I can tell when he's homesick because he'll text me, Dad, could you please send gumbo? (laughs) Dad, I need some crab bisque up here. (laughs) And building those memories around food you know, that shaped my life, and I love the fact that it's shaping my son's lives, too. John, it's taking me back to traditions in our family. Remembering the creamed onions my grandfather used to make. Mm. There are certain things that happen around the holiday that um, it just doesn't feel like a holiday until they happen. I'm, I'm thinking of the oh. toast that Lizzie's father oh, often gives at the holiday meal that um, mm. commemorates it in a, a certain way or a special way. Yeah. You know, what I crave the most about the holiday time, let's just take Thanksgiving, for instance, is will gather around the kitchen and there might be 20, 30, 40 of us, but we'll all hold hands and we'll say a prayer. And just the idea of using food, using the table, using all these gifts of abundance that we celebrate around Thanksgiving is really the chance for all of us just to connect and reconnect. And 
Thanksgiving, you have your priorities are just right. You know, we're, we're truly thankful. And it just holding hands together makes us all feel like, okay, this is what life is all about. You know, it's coming together like this once a year, being thankful. Tell me something. John, would you be willing to stick around and answer some listener questions for us? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, fabulous. I want to thank you for being so nice, man. I want to thank you for giving me my pride. So, John, our first question today has to do with an unusual food allergy. It's titled mammalian allergy. The question begins, I have a very unusual allergy. I'm allergic to mammalian meat. This is a relatively uncommon allergy you develop from a tick bite. It's also pretty serious. If I eat mammalian meat or something that came into contact with this meat, I break out in a rash and will need medication. There is also a chance I could have anaphylaxis and I have to carry an EpiPen. My problem really comes up when I go to other people's houses to eat. A lot of people do not know what mammalian meat is, and the description red meat is often confusing. I've had hosts think pork and rabbit were okay. Can you help me with some language for warning hosts prior to dinner parties or casual events that does not involve a detailed medical explanation or internet links? Thank you so much for helping, Sarah. Wow. I, I think in, in a case like this where there's substantial health risk here, you just have to come out and say, I can eat this <laughs> and I like spell it. it out. And what really helps me as a chef, a lot of times people will come in and they'll have cards made and they'll just send the card back into the kitchen. Ooh. And then it keeps the guesswork out of it. And I think it's okay just to say, you know, this is what I'm able to eat as opposed to saying, I can't eat this, this, or this, and having to go into the detailed explanation of why. That is exactly the advice I was going to give. But I love that idea of a card. I also love the idea of giving them a call on the phone and saying, you know, I have kind of this funky different allergy. Here are the parameters of it. But if it helps, I can shoot you a text with what does work. We always, John, we always tell people when they're going to people's houses, just feel free to offer to bring a dish that meets your needs, offer to make that dish big enough so that everyone could share in it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The ambiguity is, I think, what's really awkward. Help me through this. Tell me what I can or what I may prepare for you. Well, Sarah, we truly hope that that helps you feel confident discussing your allergy with other people. So our next question, John, has to deal a little bit more with hosting a holiday meal at a restaurant. And I think this will be awesome since you have such great restaurant experience. I am writing because we are starting to plan for our big family holiday meal, and this year I'm very tempted to try and arrange dinner out. It would be for 18 people, 5 couples, and 8 kids ages 8 to 17. It's been a long year so far, and I'm just not up for hosting the holidays and preparing a huge meal. How do you host at a restaurant? Do I coordinate with the restaurant ahead of time? Do we need to do a limited menu? What's the best way to make this a success? Many thanks, not hosting the holidays. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I think in a case like this, it's really important just to communicate your wishes with the restaurant. Let them know this is what we're trying to do. How can you help me do this? Having a limited menu is certainly the way to go. And just the act of 18 people ordering something (laughs) different, that alone will take forever just to get the order in. So it's so much easier. I think that the restaurants would do a much better job 
if you prearrange as much as you can. So if you hear from a party that's under 20, but they're wanting to prepare ahead of time, that doesn't feel overly demanding to you as a proprietor? No, it actually helps me out as a proprietor because I I know exactly what they're going to get. And so it allows me to um, cater to their needs even better. If I look at this and I hear my mother's voice, she often says, anytime you change a tradition in a family, be sure that you check in with everybody. And I'm imagining this family hearing that we're going to try something new and that we're heading out to a restaurant. And and (laughs) maybe it's the creamed onions or maybe it's the oysters, but there might be a part of the tradition that's really important to people. And it might or might not be part of the restaurant experience. You know, I want people to share that sort of information with me when they're, you know, this is quite common now. A lot of people will do this when it's their turn to host. um, And I encourage it. It's really just it's all about family. And all about the gathering. And so let the restaurant know what you're expecting. Let them know what some of your traditions are. And let's see if maybe the restaurant can incorporate some of that into the menu. Not hosting for the holidays. I think that with John's answer, you are going to have a fabulous, successful holiday without the stress. John, you are a natural etiquette expert. Thank you so much for your help with uh, our questions today and also for some of your insight about the holidays. It's really been a pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. If you want more of John's wonderful recipes, pick up his new book, Besh Big Easy, and check out his website, chefjohnbesh.com. Now is the time for all good men to get together with one another. Out of their problems and out of their quarrels and try to live as brothers. And try to find peace within without stepping on one another. And do respect other women of the world. Just remember we all The holiday season is filled with do's and don'ts. There's pressure to do right and temptations to do wrong. Here with a story about how hard it is to tread that line is Andrew Walsh, the co-host of the podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. When I was growing up, my parents were super generous to me and my sister when it came to Christmas time. We would wake up on Christmas morning and there would just be tons of gifts beautifully arranged and wrapped under the tree waiting for us. And there weren't a lot of rules. We were allowed to just rip into those gifts. But there were some rules we had to follow. Namely, we were not allowed to see those gifts before Christmas morning. Well, one Christmas, my sister and I, both rule followers usually, decided that we would break the rules a little bit and wake up early and see what was under the tree. So we sneak downstairs and we're like, we'll just take a look at the gifts. What harm could it cause? Like, everything's going to be wrapped up anyway. It's not going to be that big of a spoiler. And lo and behold, I picked the wrong Christmas to break this rule because there, sitting on the couch, is a gift that is not wrapped because it is a giant stuffed dog named Henry. I see that that gift is unwrapped, and I've just ruined the surprise for myself. So I get really nervous. My sister and I run back upstairs, and now I've got a few hours before my parents wake up to try to figure out how I'm going to fake the surprise when I see that dog a second time with my parents there. And I'm obviously I don't sleep, and then 7 or 8 a.m. rolls around. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to fake the surprise and convince my parents that this is the first time I'm laying eyes on the dog. We get downstairs. We look at all the gifts. I look at the dog. I look at my parents and I just start 
blubbering. I just start crying, and I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we came downstairs. I'm sure my sister was not pleased with me. My parents were not pleased with me, but also, what are you going to do? You have a kid who feels so guilty he's crying on Christmas morning. I really felt like I ruined Christmas. I don't think I did, looking back, and, uh, you know, Big Henry and I ended up having a pretty solid friendship for several years. We used to play board games and watch movies together and talk about other stuffed dogs behind their backs. wonder how he's doing. Andrew Walsh is the co-host of an amazing podcast called Too Beautiful to Live. You can find it, along with our podcast, Awesome Etiquette, on your favorite podcast app. Coming up, the complicated etiquette involved in traveling during the holidays. Plus, more questions from listeners. This is Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show.
I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. And this is Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Where we're talking about infusing consideration, respect, and honesty into this complicated time of year. It's the holiday version of what we do every week on our podcast, Awesome Etiquette. What's the flight situation? Simple. There's no way on earth we're going to get out of here tonight. <laughs> We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will getting a flight out of here before daybreak. <sighs> We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, but by the time the airline cancels this flight, which they will sooner or later, you'd have more of a chance to find a three-legged ballerina than you would a hotel room. You're saying I could be stuck in Wichita? I'm saying you are stuck in Wichita. That would be Steve Martin and John Candy from the classic 1987 John Hughes movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Great film. Basically, it's a story of everything that could go wrong during holiday travel going wrong. Because things do go wrong, and how we handle that says a great deal about us. The holidays are one of the busiest travel seasons of the year, and with so many people traveling, conflicts are bound to arise. So to help us all avoid conflicts this year, we have asked Kate McCulley to join us and talk a little bit about strategies for surviving the holidays as a traveler. Kate is a blogger who travels the world as adventurous Kate. She started traveling full-time at age 26 and hasn't looked back since. During that time, she's been to more than 60 countries around the globe. And in her travels, she's been stranded, delayed, rerouted, and even shipwrecked. Yeah, I just said shipwrecked. So she knows a lot about the perils of getting around. Kate McCulley, thanks for joining us on Awesome Holiday Etiquette. I hope it wasn't too tough getting here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Travel in general, it can be really tough for some people to stay cool throughout all the changes and adjustments that can happen. But for the holidays, it's like this important time that we're all trying to get home for. What are some things that as a really experienced traveler, you've come to rely on as keeping travel stress-free? Well, one thing that I've noticed is that, especially for people who don't travel as often, just going to the airport does bring a lot of stress upon people. And when you're traveling during the holidays, I guess you could kind of say it's amateur hour at the airport, (laughs) a lot of people who aren't really used to it. I think the most important thing is to be considerate. And one thing that I've done in the past few years is started making much more of an effort to be extra kind, not just a normal level of kindness, but extra kind, extra generous, um, extra polite to everybody I meet because most people you meet are stressed. And plus, airport workers are dealing with cranky people all day. And so I just like to make them feel a little happier as well. I want to give you an awesome etiquette gold <laughs> star for that that sentiment. I think that is so spectacular. Well, and it's such simple things like making sure that you do have a smile on your face, that your tone is an upbeat tone, that you look somebody in the eye, say, hey, how's your day or how's it going? Or, wow, it's crazy crazy here, but I hope you have a happy holiday. Those little gestures can make such a big difference. Exactly. Don't go on the defense. Go on the offense with kindness. Oh, I love that. Don't go on the defense. Go on the offense with kindness during the holiday season. That's brilliant. Kate, what do you think that guests can do when they're traveling for the holidays to be good guests? Well, again, I think it all comes down to being considerate. And I think you also have to keep in the back of your mind, even though your friend or family member says, make yourself at home, help yourself to anything. My home is yours. Do whatever you'd like. Just know, you know, you still have to be pretty polite and considerate on top of that. I mean, that's not an open invitation to eat pizza, sitting in bed and playing video games all day. We sometimes call it the host guest dance. It's the host's job to be generous and be gracious and be welcoming. And it's the guest's job to not take 
take advantage of that. That you shouldn't push that job onto your host. But I, you can also participate, offer to help, enjoy the entertainment that's been provided, things like yeah. that. Kate, is there anything that you do that's extra special when you go home? Well, I've actually kind of started a tradition, and I didn't even realize it, but I often bring booze that I've found around the world nice. that I really liked. Last year, we had a port a palooza at my dad's house, and this year I'm going to be bringing in some ports that I got to sample right on site in the Douro Valley in northern Portugal. And this year, I actually just did a big gin trip throughout the UK, so I'm coming with many, many bottles of craft British gins. Do you have any particular tips for thinking about just getting your presents home? Physically getting them home. <laughs> I think that if you're anticipating getting a lot of gifts, I think it is a very good idea to pack a small suitcase that folds up really well, put it in your bag, and you know what? If you need it, it's there. If not, no worries. You can just pack it away again. It's a great tip, and definitely something I've learned recently is that even though it can sometimes be a little bit extra to check a bag, that's often cheaper than shipping something separately. Yeah, that's a good point. It is very much cheaper. I mean, most of the time checking an extra bag costs around $25. So if you're bringing bulky stuff, if you're bringing liquids, check them. I know that there's so much temptation to carry on. It seems like so many people say that carrying on is the only smart thing to do, but I disagree with that. Check them. It will make your life so much easier and for your fellow passengers as well. I love all of this advice so much. Dan, Kate, should we answer some listener questions? I would love to. Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. So, Kate, our first listener wants to know, my mom has been estranged from her family since I was a kid. However, five years ago, my mother's sister, my cousin and I got back in touch with each other via Facebook and we are now very close. My cousin will be back home for Thanksgiving and my husband and I have been invited to dinner. Great! The only problem is that our regular tradition has us at my parents' house for Thanksgiving. I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings, but I'd really like to spend Thanksgiving with my aunt and cousin this year. How do I tell my parents... And how do I do it without feeling like the worst child on earth? Help, Stephanie. So, Kate, what do you think? I definitely think you should go for having the holidays with your aunt and cousin. I actually myself discovered a few years ago that I have a couple cousins out in Colorado that I never knew about. And we've since become very good friends. And I'm so happy to have them in my life. We have so much in common. And they're really wonderful girls. So, yes, definitely grab those family connections and spend the Thanksgiving with them. It's not out of the question that perhaps you could do something maybe before or after on Thanksgiving. And if you don't want to do something specifically on that day, why don't you plan something special with your mother? Take her out to lunch or something. Just something a little bit special about spending more time with her that would make her feel a little better about you being apart on oh, Thanksgiving. I love the advice to go above and beyond and, and make sure that yeah. you're talking to your mom. But I also think it's so great because it helps to cushion and prepare for mom's disappointment, which mm -hmm. she very well might express. A lot of times we forget when we try to do the right thing or we try to say something in a way that is as gentle and considerate and, considerate thoughtful. and thoughtful as possible. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Um, we forget that they're still going to be disappointed and that's okay, but just understand it, accept it, and try to care for that disappointment as much as possible, even if it doesn't change the actual outcome. And you might even talk about some of your reasons as well when you talk to your mother, that family matters to you and anything that you can do to start to grow and cement and build new family bonds is really important to you. And I think being, being ready to talk about that as well is part of the good etiquette in the situation.
Our next question begins, we celebrate the holidays on the East Coast, but this year my cousin and I are both in school in Michigan. It's a long but not bad drive home, and we should go together. But I'm not the biggest fan of my cousin. We're very different. She smokes. We don't like the same music. We don't enjoy the same food. How can I get out of this without seeming like a jerk? Please help. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Home alone for the holidays. Well, let's see. Uh, the thing is, the two of you probably have something in common. I know that has to be the case, even though you feel like you are two completely different people. Listen to a book on tape. Plan something special, maybe something that wouldn't have you having as much conversation, and go for it. It's also better for your safety, especially if you're going to be driving during the winter, just in case anything happens. And it's going to save you quite a bit of money as well. I love it. I want to toss this question to my cousin here and ask, what do you think about coming up with some parameters and boundaries? Say, you know, like, hey, it totally makes logistical sense that we drive together, but I can't handle smoking in the car. Get them on the table as soon as possible. If there were some hard limits for me, something like smoking in the car. Yeah. And if it really is a deal breaker, the sooner you get that information out so everybody can can be really candid. Really, We often talk about honesty yeah. being one of the, the tenets of good etiquette. And I think um, being honest about what your hard limits are is important. But just so we're all clear, territory you can stake out is saying yes to the awesome etiquette podcast the whole way. Right? Right? Oh, right? I think that could be a deal right? breaker. <laughs> Kate, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Although I tell you, you're, you're suggestion of a I book, love on, the book tape. on tape totally it's one of the big wins for a long car ride as oh. far as i'm concerned oh my gosh it makes it so much better and you get absorbed and like you said it could even create something that could stir up conversation or become a bonding element and if you get something like harry potter i mean that's universal everyone loves it and the books are really long that is so <laughs> true we love harry potter that's a great idea so kate i've got to ask have you ever had to travel with anybody you didn't get along with well, this past summer, I actually traveled for three weeks with my mother and my sister. And it wasn't so much that we didn't get along with each other, but that we were often stressed out together. But we did find something that actually did work for us. You know, my sister and I are introverts, so after a long, hard drive, we wanted to curl into a ball and, and <laughs> retreat for the entire day. My mother was ready to burst out and talk to everyone she met. So we had a compromise. As soon as we finished a long, hard drive, we would go to a cafe and stop for a coffee for 20 minutes. And that just really helped me feel like I would get back to normal and help my mom feel like she wasn't wasting her time in Sicily. And so that just brought us back to normal after a very long and stressful drive. That's so awesome. Well, Kate McCulley, thank you so much for helping us out today on Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? 
Kate McCulley is a world traveler and blogger. Don't forget to check out stories of her travels, including that crazy Indonesian shipwreck at AdventurousKate.com. With holiday travel, getting there is only one part of the challenge. Once you've arrived, you're on someone else's home turf, and that can cause stress too. But there are lots of things that hosts can do to help make guests comfortable. We've enlisted the help of our aunt, Peggy Post, to talk us through how to be good hosts to out-of-town travelers. Peggy is a director of the Emily Post Institute and a columnist for Good Housekeeping magazine. Peggy, thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Lizzie. I'm really excited about this. And we're excited that you could join us because you travel so often for the holidays. As a frequent traveler, do you have any tips for hosts on what makes it easier for guests? First of all, issue a warm and clear invitation. We're really excited that you can come. We're looking forward to it. Uh, And then also set up with your guests when they're arriving, the date and the time, And when they're leaving, don't leave it open-ended if at all possible. (laughs) Also, be aware that sometimes maybe the people who are traveling will alternate between one family, one set of, say, grandparents and another set of grandparents. So work it out. Don't pressure somebody to come two years in a row if they usually visit the other set of parents or grandparents the other year. And, of course, fluff up your house and the guest bedroom (laughs) and the guest bathroom and, and, and get it clean and get it all set up for your guests. And also think about some activities, some fun things to do, such as when we've gone up to Vermont to visit you all, we go to a hockey game, for example. Give your guests some downtime as well. Uh, You don't need to keep them so busy. They're totally frenzied out with uh, (laughs) holiday excitement. What do you think that people should do about presents? If You think people are going to be bringing gifts and they are flying or coming by train and not driving. Say, if you want to send anything up ahead of time, that's perfectly great. We'll be happy to be here to receive it. And talk through the gifts. Tell your guests who else will be coming, say, to a holiday meal. Some pitfalls. uh, Think through very carefully the sleeping arrangements. Some people have house rules um, when, uh, say, they're grown child comes home from college, maybe they will bring a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Some people don't care if they stay in the same room, and some do care. So work it out ahead of time. Don't wait until they've arrived with their suitcases and say, whoops, oh, you go over there and you go over there. And do you think that if a new boyfriend or girlfriend is coming for the holidays, that the host family should have a gift for that person? Absolutely. Uh, That would be really, really a, a thoughtful way of making them feel included and welcomed. And ask what they might like. Uh, it doesn't have to be extravagant, but, but think it through and they'll feel really welcome. They absolutely will. Peggy, thank you for all those great suggestions. Well, thank you, Lizzie. That was Peggy Post, who works with us as a director of the Emily Post Institute. The holidays can really bring out the best in people. It can be a wonderful time filled with cheer and generosity. It can also be a chance to get some sweet, sweet loot. (laughs) Here's storyteller Shannon Kaysen, the host of the podcast Homemade Stories, on trying to have it both ways. I'm the younger brother. My sister is five years older, so growing up, she always played the responsible role, especially when my parents divorced. 
So we grew up single mom. My mother had a good job at Ford Motor Company. This is in Detroit. But raising a family as a single mom is hard. I guess my sister understood that, so for Christmas, she wouldn't really ask for anything. Me, I didn't understand the concepts of empathy and responsibility, so I would ask for the world. My sister would try to tell me to be conservative. She knew whatever I asked for, mommy was going to work overtime to buy. But me, the little brother, I would say, yeah, mommy might not be able to afford it, but... I'm asking Santa Claus. Santa is an old, rich, white man with a lot of money. So I'm not even asking Bobby. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. So one Christmas, I was going to right all the wrongs that had been happening for years, right? I was going to only ask for gifts that my sister would have to play with me. So now my sister would have a great Christmas too. I asked for board games, classic games like Monopoly, Clue, Scrabble, Connect Four, uh, specialty games like Family Feud, Wheel of Fortune, and the Game of Life, and an electronic game called Laser Tag. Now she would have to play with me, and everybody wins, except my mom, who probably was tired and broke until January. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bob. So Christmas comes, and I'm smiling at my older sister while I'm tearing through the paper, showing her the board games. Like, look, sis, this is going to be so much fun. Look at this one. So after opening everything, I'm sitting in these piles of gift wrapping, and I'm like, come on, let's play. And she didn't want to play. I guess she really didn't like toys and games or something. So here I am trying to do the right thing for Christmas and I should have just got in a radio controlled car like I really wanted. <laughs> Shannon Kaysen is a writer and storyteller. His podcast is called Homemade Stories. You can find it at shannonkaysen.com. Coming up, singer Judith Hill on growing up surrounded by music, plus strategies for being a great host and a great guest. It's the etiquette of entertaining during the holidays. This is Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Hang all the mistletoe, I'm gonna get to know you better. This Christmas and as we trim the tree. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Awesome Holiday Etiquette, a special edition of our weekly Awesome Etiquette podcast. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute. Today we're talking about the holiday season and how to incorporate consideration, respect, and honesty into some of the difficult situations that can arise this time of year. One thing I know that can come up is that once you've got all your family there together, what are you supposed to do? Sit around and look at each other? (laughs) It's so true. Once everyone's together, there's often lots of time to fill. It can feel awkward and it can be a challenge for a host. Well, I love what your mom brought to our Christmas party. On a show full of special guests, I'd like to welcome a particularly special guest to me, my mother, Cindy Post-Senning, revered consultant at the Emily Post Institute and longtime etiquette expert. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mother Dearest. Well, I am really psyched to be here. I am just a huge fan of awesome etiquette and look forward to every show. When we were talking about bringing family members onto the show, there was a particular family tradition that I was hoping we could share with our listeners. And that's the games that my father, John Senning, started to introduce. Uh, Maybe you could share a little bit about the origins of that tradition. I'd be glad to. It was a little bit in response to, so we're going to eat, and then what are we going to do? We're going to have maybe 15 people here who who are close and and all family members and intergenerational, little kids and grown-ups and elderly folks. Uh, What were we going to do? And John, my husband, Dan's dad, came up with this idea of doing word games, an entertainment that I had not considered myself. But oh my goodness, they loved it. Uh, We paired people up young people with older people. So it, it wasn't um, scary for the little kids. They could help out. And he went online and found a whole bunch of party word games. Like, almost charade type things, like pictures that depicted the names of Christmas carols. Right. There were also ones where in one column you would have a list of, like, initials, the first letter of the words of Christmas carols. So, you know, a little town of Bethlehem would be O-L-T-O-B. And then <laughs> you would have to fill in that space. And there would be, like, 25 of those. And so then... And they're harder than you'd think. Boy, they, some yeah. just jump off the page of and yeah. some are impossible. Yeah. So anyway, so that was kind of what we did. Well, people loved it so much. The next year it was, well, is John going to bring out his party games? And before mm-hmm. you know it, we had a family tradition. If I had a piece of entertaining advice that I would try to extract from this story, it would be that a willingness to be the center of attention and not put a lot of pressure on yourself, but to be comfortable in your own skin doing that is is a big part of playing a good host. Right. And I will tell you that I think the other reason that this wound up being such a popular event at each holiday party was the fact that it brought together the kids and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and the cousins. And people paired up, not necessarily just within their family. It just made interesting combos of people all the way along who just delighted in getting to know each other a little bit better. And that's, after all, what a lot of our party time is about. Thanks, Mom. I really appreciate your taking a little bit of time to join us on the awesome Holiday Etiquette Show today. Well, it has been my pleasure, and I look forward to playing our party games again this year. (laughs) 
Judith Hill has a voice that you've probably heard. She has sung in collaboration with some of the most outstanding names in music. Stevie Wonder, Elton John, Babyface Usher, Josh Groban, John Legend, and Michael Jackson. In 2013, she was featured in the Academy Award-winning documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom, and was a contestant on the fourth season of NBC's The Voice. Her debut solo album, Back in Time, which was produced in collaboration with Prince, is out now on NPG Records. And we are so pleased to be able to invite Judith into the studio with us today. Judith Hill, welcome to Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Thank you so much. So, Judith, Lizzie and I work in a family business, and we know you also come from a very musical family. Your parents are both musicians. Your mother was a pianist, your father a bassist, and you've talked about Billy Preston, Rufus, and Chaka Khan coming to record at your house. And Lizzie and I are wondering, what were the holidays like growing up in a house full of music? Oh, it was a wonderful, beautiful experience. I think at the time I wasn't I didn't realize what a blessing it was as a kid running around. You just think that's normal life. But <laughs> I know, you look right? Back like... And you're like, wow, that was a real treasure. It's just so much talent there and inspiration. Just as a kid, I remember there's a specific room that was kind of like the rec room or the basement room where artists would rehearse their parts and we would have family jam sessions. So that was a very special, unique memory to me because that's where all the kids would go during the holiday seasons and every Christmas Eve. We would go to family friends' house, like um, Chester Thompson, who's an amazing drummer, who yeah, was Phil I love Collins' that, drummer. That your family friends' house is Chester Thompson. That's just that blows yeah, my yeah. mind. Yeah, like, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> the thing about it was that all the kids were so talented. You would have Alex Acuna's kids, who are just all talented, and Chester's kids, and then the Laborios, Abraham Laborio, who's um, Abraham Holmes Jr. plays with Paul McCartney now. So all of us kids were running around at the time. It's a very fun and safe warm and welcoming environment like there's I just remember this very one specific memory where um, we had a really amazing Venezuelan flute player that came over and his whole family was there and they started going into these Christmas carols from their hometown in in Venezuela and I didn't know the the lyrics or I didn't know it was in another (laughs) language you know but it was such a festive environment and everyone was singing and joining in so we learned it very quickly and and it was very loud too everyone was just singing very loud so I kind of think it encouraged those around us who weren't necessarily singers to join in because it was such a festive environment and it was warm and welcoming like that. Is there a particular song on your playlist that um, sort of tells you that the holiday season has arrived? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's so there's I just <laughs> love Christmas songs. I think for me, um, what child is this has always been a favorite oh, of mine. So I love that beautiful. song. So, yeah, it's so just beautiful. beautiful. It's magical. Mm. It feels like you just see the picture of the Christmas card, you know, and you see it all happening. So for me, that's always been a favorite. One not to just listen to, but also sing. You, you know, I'm going to ask you if you can give us a, a little, a little <laughs> tiny taste of it right now. Would you be willing oh, to do wow. that? Is that okay. too much? Like, is that rude? I know. I'm wondering, like, <laughs> no. is that rude to ask our guest to bust out a line from that song? Because that's a beautiful song. Yeah, no, it's OK. I'll okay. do a little. All right. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, the shepherds watch are keeping. 
That was gorgeous. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing. We have a couple of questions from our audience that we'd like your help with. Yeah, sure. Our first question begins. My mother keeps giving me holiday collectibles and decorations, but they are her taste, not mine. She comes to visit and comments they aren't up or out. What do I tell her? I really don't want to clutter my house with stuff I don't like. Oh, yes, I know this one well. I tend to find a place for those decorations. <laughs> uh, there's always that box like, oh, here we go. There's uh-huh. here's the box we don't want to open, you know, but there's like people in the family that are super excited about this box. So whether it's the Christmas tree, we'll always find like a, a nice little special section or or find a way to fuse in these certain decorations and in a way that it can sort of camouflage or also fit, but they're also visible. So the person that loves this decoration feels appreciated. But yeah, I guess it's all about the eye, like fine, because there's always a place in the house where you can use some sort of decoration, you know, whether it's not like the main section in the main front mantle or anything, but mm-hmm. you can find a nice little doorway or, or a window or something to put up the decorations and, and then surround it with ones you do like. So it looks like, oh, something, I you like know, that, that idea to surround it with your own decoration. So it seems like it fits in and hopefully that helps out a little bit and you don't feel quite so pressured to put out mom's decorations. Our next question begins, when we cousins were all kids, we did a big cousin gift exchange. While the exchange has continued each year, the amount of cousins that can make it to the big family gathering has decreased due to general growing up and moving away. Should we continue to include the cousins gift exchange as part of our Christmas party? Would it still feel like Christmas if there was no gift opening in the afternoon gathering? Casey, Aspen, Colorado. You know, from just based on my experience of it, we always loved the exchange of gifts, even if it was something small or it wasn't as many as when we were kids or totally. less people involved. I think just the exchange is always something that's going to feel like Christmas time and fun. And so whoever's there, you know, can exchange gifts. And if there are people that aren't in town, you can always send something to them. But I think it's good to keep the tradition. It makes you feel like you're a kid again. And it's part of, you know, things that you look forward to during this time of the year. There's something so special about being there in person and watching someone there is. discover yeah. this yeah. thought that you had for them. And even if mm-hmm. the person that you're giving to isn't there that year, like you were saying, it's like it's Christmas. You open gifts. That's what you do. That's one of yeah. you know one of the holiday traditions. So I feel like it's a good thing to keep that a part of the entertainment of the, the party. We do a cousin exchange like the one that Casey's talking about. And, and your mom wrote us all one year and said, are you guys too old for this now? Have you outgrown this? And Dan's brother wrote back and said, this is what helps keep us all connected. And I thought that that was actually a really good point. Yeah, and it's also just like, you know, we all grow up, but to be young at heart and to keep that, you know, spirit is fun. I think so, too. Well, Casey, we, we hope that helps, and we hope that you continue to enjoy this family tradition for years to come. Well, Judith, thank you so much for helping out today on Awesome Holiday Etiquette. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. That was so much fun. Don't 
Judith's amazing debut solo album, Back in Time, which you're hearing right now, was produced in collaboration with none other than pop legend Prince. It's out now on NPG Records. A particularly special part of the post-family tradition for me is when we take a moment to acknowledge the real spirit of the season and how remarkable it is that we all get to spend a little bit of time together. For me, that moment really comes together when a toast is offered by my uncle, Peter Post. That's my dad. And we're so happy to have him here with us to share what makes for a great holiday toast. Dad, welcome to the awesome holiday etiquette party. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here with you. Peter, I was hoping you could share what you think about before you give a toast at an occasion like that. Two things above all else. Number one, keep it short. (laughs) People just ramble on and on and you see them squirming in their chairs and it makes everybody uncomfortable. A minute is great. And the second thing is be prepared. You can't wing it. You got to think about it ahead of time. And if you're at all nervous about speaking in front of people, have some notes and put them right in front of you. And everybody will understand. They'll go along with that. So keep it short and be prepared. I'm curious, as you start to to home in on the specifics, are there other things that you think about? I think about several things just in constructing it. I want to thank the people who are there. I like to recognize a person who has traveled a long ways. It's just nice to sort of single them out. We tend to try to remember people who haven't been there that year, who, who can't attend that year, and maybe on a slightly sad note, reflect on anybody who may have passed away in the past year. Then I like to thank people who have contributed to the meal and then offer a toast to the person who has prepared the meal. Well, in that spirit, let's all raise a glass. <laughs> and Dad, would you like to toast our wonderful holiday party? Sure. It is so great to be a part of Awesome Holiday Etiquette. I especially appreciate all the guests who have been on the show. John Besh, Kate McCulley, Judith Hill, and all the Post family members. Lizzie, Dan, you have been the best. You've done such a great job hosting this program all year. I am so proud of you. To you, the listener, a special thanks from all of us. Have a happy holiday. Cheers! Cheers. And from Lizzie and myself, we want to thank you for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. From our family to yours, we wish you happy and safe holidays. We have a weekly podcast, Awesome Etiquette, where you can hear more advice all year round. You can find Awesome Etiquette on your favorite podcast app. Awesome Etiquette was recorded at Vermont Public Radio and is a production of American Public Media.